0: You are now
1: about to witness the awesome. Uh, not shaved, yeah. Crushing uh, the kid is taking a nap. My.
0: Oh the U.G.S. Robinson Show. Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly never sort of ends. I am your host, U.G.S. Robinson. This is Version. Ah, two, two, seven of I the mean, Eugene Robinson Showstopper and Mr. G, how are you? we got a lot to talk about today, even if there is no fight to talk about, because there's always a fight to talk about. But first, let's let Bob Riley sing us in, as he has every show since 2007. Stigmata. The record is called The Calling of the Just. The song is called Intro of All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records and Hunger Beach, California, where they shoot you the death in a nightclub, hit your car with a hammer, and run your mayor pro tem out of town. Listen, listen well. The song's credo. It's not a mistake. People say, "Can it be shorter?" I'm like, "No." Nowhere. Could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face.
1: So, we're being paid back and forth, always nothing. All right, my friends. My friends, some of you have upped your ante, uh, and this is vis a vis commercials, have ump- upped your ante in terms of paying and praying with frequency. You come at me via Venmo or Cash App, and I, I don't want to let this pass without notice. Thank you very much, Mr. R. Thank you very much, as well as for your birthday wishes, because alax and alas, today is my birthday, I told you about last week. Somehow the 60 feels like uh, noteworthy since we all know ain't no way you just make it to 120. It's amazing enough he made it to 60, which means at some point somebody like me is going to have to shuffle off this mortal coil and not, <laughs> thank you, Mr. M, and not actually with, I mean, do you know the number of people who I love and care about who have to die before I will actually die? And that's best case scenario. This shit is grim, but this is a good show. We're not talking about you're not gonna get the SADs from this show, not like well, the week before last. <laughs> last week was still pretty upbeat, and I'm still uh, I'm still I'm still flying high off of that. Thank yous. So uh commercials. Pinko, P-I-N-K-O, uh nine five zero one four at yahoo.com if you want to PayPal the cash for the show. Uh some of you are carrying the show versus other others uh, you uh uh, versus others uh, of you, so uh, be mindful of the fact that the people who pay, uh, they get they they get they get extras. What extras, Miss Mister Robinson? What what extras do they get? It by by paying they get considerations. I'll explain in the fullness of time. Um. So, uh Eugene Dash Robinson Dash Twenty Eight. I think that's either venmo or cash app i can never remember planet oxbow is either venmo or cash app you could do it the old-fashioned way p.o box 19271 at stanford california uh, zip code 94309 I had a karen moment there on friday that only, <laughs> we'll get into that we'll get into that as well um you can send the old-fashioned way or you could go stomperville uh, uh which is uh, patreon.com uh slash the stomper, not stomper bill, the stomper these are ways that you can donate to the show uh that might be helpful and make not make me feel like such an ass for doing the show. You might notice a few things I have declined to shave somehow, even though I'm buying new razors, it's been tearing my face up, so I decided to give it a break. We don't no need need to shave. I'm not trying to trick anybody it it is as it is so uh let's go let's go back a little bit in time, and my mother says she sent me a Christmas birthday present. So I go to the post office and there are these women walking along the sidewalk, two middle-aged women. I mean, I in middle aged women. I don't know. They maybe were 40, 45. I don't know. And there seems to be a, kid, a child with them. Now, as I'm driving down the street to the post office, um, there's a woman in standing in the street glowering at me. Now, I don't know this woman from anything. Whatever. I mean, she's walking and glowering. Yeah, you know who knows I, it, it, who knows I don't know what's going on I, I'm thinking about a million different different things so uh, I, I get to a 20 minute spot which you can do and I say my hips are bothering me I already went running and I'm tired I don't want to walk and so um I, 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 I pull in the park and there's a kid standing there with these women walking by and there's a kid standing there and, you know, I, the kid just goofing off. She's in the way. I don't know. What the hell? So she runs and joins these other people. I, I You know, I'm not pulling the spot. And I'm getting out of the car, and I'm hobbling around to the back. And as I start heading for the post office, I see the glowering woman with the child. And she takes a look at me. She turns and redirects her energy forward and says to no one in particular, I guess we're just running kids down to these days. And so, you know, I'm not the most astute guy in the world, but I kind of start to put it together as I take a few steps. There was this vitriol in her voice. I start to think, oh, oh, I see. The kid was holding the spot for her. And, and, and she's now accusing me of trying to murder her child uh, because she had to park where she had parked and they're going to have to walk uh, 100, mile, 100 yards extra. Now... This is an example of how bad it looks now. I will never talk shit about walking again. You realize how long I spent? I, I served my time in hellas in New York on public transportation. I'm a California now. I'm gonna drive. I'm gonna drive up to the. I'll keep. I'll drive around the block eight times before I park ten feet away because I hate to walk. I hate to walk. I hate to. Oh my God, boys, you're more. Let me tell you, I deeply regret having said any of that. Do you know what I would pay now to be able to walk normally? And, and keep in mind, I just trained like what two hours today? I train. Train. I could train. Which I could fight you to the death, but walking up to the fight on the death, I look like I'm dying. I went to the physical therapist for my heels, because my heels were bothering me. And I leave the physical therapist with hips that bother me. I go to the doctor. The doctor says it's not your hips because those were hurt in the inside. It hurts right where my pockets are, like like I was riding a horse. And other people go, well, clearly it's jujitsu. That's the problem because, you know, you're pulling people into your guard. It's like, I'm not playing open. What are you talking about? In any case, I think she saw how badly I was walking and was like, Fuck it, he needs it worse than I do. So she didn't direct the comment to me. But now the New Yorker in me says, hey, hey, hey. You know, it's like the angel and the devil on the shoulder. Says, you know, that that, that bitch was talking to you. And so I play the videotape in my head where I go, talking to me? Because first of all, if you're talking to me, you should fucking look at me. And then secondly, (laughs) it's like, and I I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm supposed to say stuff like hit the like button and subscribe but stuff like that. I, I, I always forget. And so then I go, well, you know what, man, I just don't have the juicy. I'm tired. I'm, you know, we got, um, we got six more shows with Bunuel overseas. So now I'm back to bags of gravel and I'm running up hills and, you know, you know shadow boxing and doing more. The only thing I got tired the last tour was my core. So I'm doing a lot more core stuff, more crunches, and just, you know, I'm B. I am beat. I do not want to argue, I don't want to fight with anybody. So I go screw it. I go about my business, and they, but then the New Yorker in me is like, "Great, I'm glad you put her in her place." Because you know what she's doing now? She's keying your fucking car. So I get my shit from the mailbox, and I'm like hobbling back, like 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 Sylvester in that in that cartoon where he and the dog and Tweety Bird are in the hospital. That's how I'm walking, and uh, and you can find that cartoon online, Sylvester. The dog and Tweety Bird in the hospital. It comes right up. So um I get back to the car. It's not keyed. And it's just a small point of fact that that that's that's how it was. In the meantime, I got people who are saying, yo, Eugene, the fuck is where where is Gavin? Gavin? The fuck, Gavin? Will you am I my brother's keeper? What are you asking me about Gavin for? Like I would know anyway. Haven't you heard what? Gavin has been pulled off the air and nobody knows where the fuck he is. Public records indicate that if you're arrested by the police, that you should be able to get a a public affairs officer, PIO, public information officer. Somebody should be able to talk and say, yes, he was booked. Nobody's been able to do this. So it means it's not the police. The police have said, it's not us. If it's anybody, we suspect it might be the feds. The feds. Other people have said, we suspect that it is a prank, a prank. Um, Let me tell you something. Gavin, in my brief, let's go back a bit. Let's go back a bit to my introduction to Gavin. Parallel Path, I pick up the first issue that I get my hands on of of Vice. It's in somebody's bathroom. Somebody who would be comfortably described and would self-describe as possibly a hipster. It was in their bathroom, and it was um, it was a newspaper. So this is how long long ago it was. It was a newspaper. So uh, I'm taking a dump in somebody's bathroom. Listen, you should be lucky they, if <laughs> me having your address in the old days would mean a lot of things. It would mean that suddenly at 11 o'clock at night, I show up and ask if I can take a shower there. Don't believe me? Ask Tom Mallon. I guess you can't because he's dead. But it happened. Or I flew 3,000 miles on the Lower East Side. Gets a knock at his door. It's Richard Kern. Richard Kern opens up says, Eugene, what is it? I go, I need to take a nap. Cool. I'm editing photos. Take a nap. I take a nap. Wake up an hour later. Boom. Jam. (laughs) <laughs> right or uh gil uh, gildas uh, in paris show up at his house hey gildas can i uh sit in your chair for a bit it's like 000 miles away from home didn't expect you have a seat took a nap woke up at 11 o'clock at night i was out so you know in these days uh, i could have been anywhere could have been doing anything i don't know i was in somebody's toilet i find vice i read it i'm laughing it's funny so then I start I, I kind of start paying attention to I start kind of paying attention to the the magazine. Uh, I go yeah it's kind of funny the do's and don'ts are what made it right really amusing. So I get a call I think more specifically an email and this email comes in I can tell you exactly when it came in it came in in nineteen. Well, I say exactly, and then I'm 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 fumbling on the date. It came in. I could look it up. GQ magazine had Sean Penn on the cover, and I had written one of the first national articles on this sport called NHB, also now known as MMA. And right after that, I got an email from Gavin McInnes. And I was like thinking, now I'm rolling. National publication after national publication. GQ was much bigger than Vice and more significant at the time. And he goes, "Listen, I want you. I read your piece in GQ. I want you to write something for us about how to get into a fight or some such thing. Or how to get, you know. And I was like, "Okay." And so I wrote him a wonderful piece that would have been perfect in GQ. And he was like, "I don't, I don't want that." And I remember at the time he said have you read our magazine? I go, yeah, yeah, I've read it. He goes, well, I want it to be more like an email to a friend like this. And he sent me some version of what he imagined and then I rewrote what he wrote and he published it, which led to my inclusion in the Vice Guide to Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. And then subsequently ended up kind of sort of... getting Joe Donnelly at the LA Weekly to say, hey, why don't you do an article? Uh, no, Joe Donnelly at the LA Weekly called me and said, hey, I got, almost got into a fist fight this weekend. What did I do wrong? So we talked him through this fist fight that he almost got into at 29 Palms with some uh, Marines. And, and then he said, you know what? That was such, such a great thing. Why don't you write a piece? And so I wrote a piece for the LA Weekly. It was designed to be a cover story, but then something happened with the LA Lakers. Phil Jackson bumped it, and it was inside on another parallel track, Uh, Judith Reagan at, uh, Harper Collins gets a copy of it through a high school friend of mine, Doug Grad, and they decide to fly me out to New York to do the fight book. So this is the beginning of my relationship with Gavin. So I'm, I'm at this point now I get tapped for, uh, Vice wants to start opening up clubs and they know I used to be a bouncer. And, uh, and so they start tapping me to be the director of their clubs, and we get pretty far in the negotiations, you know? And um, and I'm into the, into the office and somebody says, hey, where do you live? And I said, well, right now I'm in Palo Alto, California. They go, so you don't live in London? I go, why the fuck would you guys think I lived in London? So, well, we always see you in London. I go, I'm always there with Oxbow, but I don't live there. And they're like, oh. And so this was to run Old Blue Last, their cl- the club that they bought in London, down the street from the Hoxton. So I I lose this job, but I'm in tight. I get a call from Gavin. Now we're talking on the phone. We're emailing. It's pretty friendly. He puts out an email and he goes, I will fight anybody out there. And so right away, "I'll, I'll fight you. And he goes, I will fight anybody out there except Eugene. So he won't fight me, but he'll fight anybody. So this is when he was doing this the burgeoning sort of fight club Iron Man thing happening right iron john iron john thing happening so then i get a call and he says listen there's another guy i think you should know i want you all to meet i want you to come up with a piece and i can i can literally feel him like a like a like a a jack chick one of those religious pamphlets i can literally feel him like rubbing his hands together you know and i go okay great I'll, i'll talk to anybody who and he goes. This guy's name is Jim Gold. I want you to talk to Jim Gold. So, what has Jim Gold done? What well, you got? Who? What are you texting me for during the show? Uh, what, what? do you got to say to me about that? That's so important during the show that you can't put it in the comments. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> that's a, yeah, yeah, come on! What do you, yeah. I'm not gonna put him on Front Street, but he's watching the show and texting me. Now it's good. It's use. It's useful. And I appreciate you not shared it with everybody else. I'll just put it. I put up the phone so I could I could read it. Yeah, he says, "Fuck the comments." (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So so anyway, he says, "I want you to meet this guy." And this guy is uh, his name Jim Goad, and you work on something. So I call Jim Goad, and Jim Goad says, "Hey, you know, I kind of," and Jim Goad kind of lays out his shtick. You know, lays out. I'd written the Redneck Manifesto and so on, but what Jim Goad and and Dude, do, don't know is that I spent the whole tour reading through every single a- a- issue of Answer Me, and which I really, I really enjoyed. And it reminded me of kind of research books without the um, without the preciousness, right? Um, and or alternatively, it reminded me of Peter Sotos and the kind of uh, pure and uh, magazine stuff or Total Abuse, really clinical but really direct. Like this is as it happened. And, you know, your interpretation of it, it can go fuck itself, right? More specifically, like the guy this week, if you follow on the Twitter machine, who was trying to get me to publicly repudiate um, uh, Jake Shields. And I said, you know, uh, is, is it your how is it your opinion that Jake Shields needs any sort of correction from me? And he goes, he's, he's your friend. And if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to call him on his shit, fuck him and fuck you too. And I said, you know what? You're an asshole, and you're still here. I have an an amazingly flexible ability to 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 entertain a number of different perspectives. Does it mean Does it mean that we're blowing each other right? But <laughs> you know, we don't have to have the same opinion about things. More importantly, I don't feel any any public need to prove to you that that uh, you know this is you, you just speak in a different culture. This is internet culture. I got. I I have friends who have murdered other human beings. What should I do with that? Now, there's certain crimes that I find unforgivable. I have no friends, as far as I know, who have raped children. All right. Have I communicated with people who have raped children? Yes. John Wayne Gacy, in pursuance of an interview, uh, and I believe he raped 14-year-olds. On or At least one of those kids he killed was 14 but it wasn't like I was trying to get a Christmas card from John Wayne Gacy. I go to dinner at his house. Uh, So, so, so in any case, he said, so he's expecting these kind of fireworks. And so gold is going through this list of things that he could see us doing a piece on. And he either finds that we comfortably disagree or we comfortably agree, but that we don't uncomfortably uh, attach to anything, you know, like I say, kind of give them a rundown of what it is I'm thinking and what it is I believe in. I'm really hard to offend, and what I prize above all else is intelligence. Right. So you come at it with a smart take, and you've done your research. We got, we have, we have. Insofar as our businesses don't collide, to to uh, quote Marlon Brando from The Godfather, I see that our, we're concluded here. So we never did the piece. But I got a friend out of it, Jim Gold. Say what you want about Jim Gold; always been nice to me, and I, I find him entertaining. What well, you talk about the redneck mindset? Whatever. A, I'm talking in my my exchange with the guy. I've interviewed him once or twice. I, I you know, and, and we don't share the same opinions, but we don't have to. I don't assume that there's alignment with each and every one of you. That's insanity. So, um, so, uh, so Gavin is disappointed, but then we go back and forth, but then I start to notice a few things about a few things. Right. I, and one of the things that I start to notice is that like, I'm in the, in the London office of vice and they've made a lot of money on this book with my friend now, who's just uh, Andy Capper was the head who's now just been this made, made this chief operating officer, this big film conglomerate in LA, which is really fantastic. When you see the guy I'm not even gonna talk about our connections, our, our weird connections and stuff we've done together, but it's really nice to see him on the come up. I guess it's as unlikely that I'm a VP as that he's a COO, but let's never mind that. The, um, so, but I'm in the office and they have a book, um, Punks and Skins. That yeah, is pretty much just just a, a a book of photographs of punks and skins. And at first I think I think the setup is punks. Skins, them fighting and them together. So the narrative arc of the story is, you know, that these disparate groups and they come together. And it's so, but it, it, it stunk of it, um, uh, it, it. It stunk of to me this desire, this miss like all the kids I went to high school with who came to classes in tie-dyed shirts who really had this erotic hunger for the '60s. Keep in mind, when I, my first year of high school was '76. So, and the 70s didn't really start in earnest till like 74, right? So by 72, people were still, you know, age of Aquarius, man. And these kids had, we missed it. We missed it. Meanwhile, punk rock was happening right under their noses, but they were still with the tie-dye and the dancing bear and all that kind of shit. It stunk of that same thing, a kind of romantic glorification of a time that they didn't participate in, but just missed gavin seemed to i mean by the time all the all the, you know and if you were there in 80 81 82 do you remember the kind of skinhead where all the guys who were punk rockers but who had slightly right wing sympathies or at least were likes to fight guys did a migration over to 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 heart to uh, to skin the skinhead culture and it was a bona fide culture that in a lot of ways dovetailed with with rockabilly culture and so on so these were overlapping groups Distinguished by the fact that they like to hang out, drink beer, and 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 say shit that white might be upsetting to people who are more progressive, as well as beating up old ladies and stealing their purses and a, a whole rank array of other crimes that weren't unique to them. It just felt like, ah, I missed it. So when he started talking about this Proud Boy shit, I was like, Oh, well, he's finally, he's trying to relive. It's like seeing Quadrophenia and going, man, I wish I was a mod. If I was back then, I'd be a mod. I could run through the streets of Brighton and have sex in alleyways. Oh, God. (sighs) All right. (laughs) All right. But whatever. You know, Gavin gets separated from Vice. You know, he said, that like a guy said to me, guy said to me, you know, I started reading Mein Kampf. I stopped reading at the first 50 pages because uh, I agreed with everything that was written so uh, and this guy is a semi of a public figure I'm not gonna out him because I don't desire he uh, is no longer speaks to me but I don't desire to um, this show is not about him it's not a witch hunt I'm not trying to, to put salt in a guy's game you might have bought stuff from him before that's your business whatever he may have been joking with me I don't care you know um, but the, the the point is uh, you know, I don't know how genuine he. My, my hot take on Gavin is that he is a dilettante and a tourist. Um, And I I say this as somebody who's been entertained by him for years, which is different from liking him. I find him entertaining. Like in my last communication with him, he said, you are an unbelievable retard. Which I would gotten some minor point of fact wrong with writing about him. And he said, could you change this? This is causing me problems. No, not kidding me. This is causing me problems. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I'll get to it. He goes, I, you, you it hasn't been done yet, dude. You're an unbelievable retard. I was like, listen, hey, go fuck yourself, first of all. And second of all, I'll do it before the end of the day and i get off my back. Um, And, you know, I have a, whatever. I don't know if he was serious or whether he was angry. I don't know. Because then January 6th happened. Even before that, the little scuffle uptown at the club, at the speech. Now, I know guys who are going to see Milo Xianopoulos when he came to Berkeley, fighter guys who you know who I'm talking about. Um, um, and and they were, you know, scuffling. There's a guy from my team. We look up, pick up the San Jose Mercury News. We go, yo, isn't that Eric? And Eric's in the street duking it out pre-Trump. It's like, so... It's like having a magnifying glass and burning ants on the sidewalk, this whole fucking internet. And I have to tell you, I I, 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 I have to tell you that, um, I, I, who was I talking to yesterday? I was just saying, um, I'm fine. Oh, I was being interviewed by that cat, uh, Matthew. And I said, have you ever been in the middle of a riot? And each time I've been in the middle of the riot, I felt like Dante with Virgil because the, because I wasn't swept away by the emotions of the event. So it just moved around me. I don't know if you've seen that zombie movie where the guy, the zombie is fast zombies. and The, the guy's being inundated with fast zombies and he covers up because he thinks this is it. And they just circle around him. And they say, oh, whoa, what happened? Why is that guy? And they discover that the zombies can smell that The guy's got cancer. So don't, they leave him alone in their mind he's dead already. So they start to manufacture give people diseases that will kill them in order to make them zombie free and then then cure the diseases and then maybe like you know immunize them. I don't remember what the movie was. Um so I, January 6th happens um he had already he'd already been Busted after the scuffle at the club in Manhattan and they said, Okay, I'm not gonna do it. And he's complaining in both public and private about how he, he, and his wife and their nice, expensive, large mom home. Because keep in mind, Gavin has always had money, uh, comes from family money or whatever, comes from money. Um, and wanted some real life grit. Well, he got it. And then come with that, his neighbors don't want to deal with him. You know their are neighborhoods now. Signs filled up with and alternately he he he. Um, good, thank you. World War Z. You know and alternately. Um, well, I'm getting to that, JB. Oh, you know alternately he's like you know, he's he's saying, "Look, okay, I'm not i I'm not a, a right wing fascist." You know, I'd like to get along. And then he's going on his show saying my neighbors are unbelievable retards. And I think both could be the case. I mean, you know, his wife and his kid have not signed on to this. Uh, certainly, I don't know about the political leanings of his kid, but I do know that his kid at this point is probably about 18, um, and this is, you know, and his kid is a, is a girl. I can't imagine that this has made things easier socially. And I don't know that it, gender would make a difference here, except, uh, you know, if uh, I knew not, uh, lots of loners, lots of male loners um when i was a teenager but you know mostly the women had some sort of social network so that's why i'm making that comfortable assumption or maybe uncomfortable assumption so so gavin so this is where you know he's like oh, i'm doing my show i'm no longer associated he was there january 6th and um you know but he wasn't uh, a tarrio who's in jail now trying to get a reduced sentence which he will not get and also being outed as i you know trying to in exculpatory fashion as an fbi informant Snitch, Um, but you had to know the other shoe was going to drop on this. This could have been, this could be a prank. If this is a prank, this is a prank of the of the Eugene S. Robinson variety, by which I mean I was inveterate as a kid growing up. I wonder if I could juice up my walkie-talkie by sticking it in that empty light socket. The electricity from that light socket would go through the antenna and give me a boost. I could use this walkie-talkie to talk to China. This is my reasoning as a six-year-old. So I take the antenna from my walkie-talkie and stick it in the light socket and burn all the fuses in the house and melt my walkie-talkie. It doesn't knock me across the room as it should. But it's a kind of it is a kind of experiential test making that gets your ass fried. Pull a prank like this, listen. I'll tell you what I thought was a harmless prank. The band, the dwarves, um, the band, the dwarves, faked their deaths, uh, there's a terrible accident on tour. Members of the dwarves are dead. Our condolences go out to their family, blah, 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 blah. And this went on for a month or however a long period of time. And then the people in the dwarves are like, ha, ha, joke. And people were so fucking angry. That the dwarves got royally fucked. The label like dumped them, and at this point now, if you're a dwar- dwarves fan, you're a dwarves fan. But they're not, they're no deltas bringing in new new dwarves fans, right? They're not positioned like John Spencer, the Blues Explosion. John Spencer was kind of drummed out of DC for various reasons. So if this is a prank, you have to know that this is the worst chess move ever. The worst. Chess move ever, and it will reap. If you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. Because if they weren't paying attention before, they're paying attention now, and you will be to quote Leopoldo Soral. Fuck it. Now, now, if it's not a prank and you've been seized by the feds, there's also a certain amount of you should have seen that coming. I tell you, every time I punch somebody in the face for the last 15 years, they've had the same look on their face. (gasps) Surprise. Even though every person I've punched in the face for the past 15 years, I've said, if you don't stop, I'm going to hit you in the mouth. I pre-notified them of my intent to do exactly as I've done. And they still are surprised when it's done. So at this point, you know, Gavin has had a lifetime I mean, the first story that attracted me to Gavin was he was like, "I gotta think of shit." His friends were like, "Well, we'll find you a bathroom." He goes, "Now nah, I'm gonna do it out there," and he runs to the center of an intersection. I was up in Canada, and pulls his pants down and actually takes a dump. This is like, this is like jackass without the without the asses. It's just him. And I thought, bold move, <laughs> bold move. The guy's a baller. I, I kind of a friend of mine once who's from Soviet Georgia. I'm rushing around trying to find a toilet back in the hardcore days, booby, if you must know. And he's like, what are we rushing for? I said, man, I got I to find a toilet. I got to take a shit. He goes, Eugene, I'm a fucking anarchist. I take a shit when I take it right here. I go, you take it here. He goes, well, no, I don't have to shit. OK, well, Gavin apparently was, you know, you can skate. You can, the world, as it seems to you, when you have the means and the wherewithal to uh, bounce back, it turns it into a playground. You know what makes it not a playground anymore? When the feds show up. Have you ever had the feds show up? My neighbors at one point were trying to get a top secret security clearance. My neighbors who were having weird chanting ceremonies and dancing around in their living room at two in the morning were having also to get at NASA Ames and Lockheed a high security clearance. And the feds came to the door and I laughed in their faces and they did not laugh. And I think I said something like, you got to be kidding. Because it was comical to me that they were asking me for a character reference for my next door neighbors, who were clearly fucking lunatics, but whatever. And they're like, the guys did not crack a smile. I said, you got to be fucking kidding. He goes, kind of like, do we look like we're kidding? And it wasn't even a question of like, sir, I've knocked on a random stranger's door. Can you answer a few questions for me? It wasn't like it was voluntary. We're going to talk to you about your neighbors. Not do you have time to talk about your neighbors. You guys weren't fucking around. So my take is it's not a prank uh, because he's stupid, but he's not that stupid. And uh, that he's been picked up by the feds. Um. He is not an American. Well, he may have been an American citizen at this point. I mean, he is Canadian by birth, I believe. Um, And they are under no obligation to issue a press release or do anything. Well, what about due process? Well, at some point, he's probably got a phone call to his wife telling explaining where he is. But you had to know they're not going to get the Puerto Rican cat in there, Tario, and and let Mr. Dilettante skate and keep giving shit about January 6th on his show. Not now. And he's getting deported. If that's the new news, that's cool. Because as you well know, I was kicked out of Canada as an undesirable alien. I don't like to talk about that, but you've heard me talk about that, being walked through the airport in handcuffs. Eh. Think that was fun? Actually, it was pretty fun. And they just put you on any plane back to America. They don't give a shit. In my instance, the plane was going to Detroit. They pushed me in to the plane, turn around, turn around. My they did it in the front. I should have bashed them and made it made a bad situation worse. And they're unlocking the cuffs, and I turn, and the whole airplane is watching me get uncuffed. <laughs> I go, where do I sit? They go, anywhere you want. Of course, everybody, nobody wants me to sit next to them because they don't know why I'm there. And I sit next to some nice old lady, and we have a perfectly comfortable conversation back to Detroit. And I was like, how the fuck do I get out of Detroit? They go, it's not our responsibility. And for 20 years, I was harassed. Each and every time I went to Canada, it was a drag. Finally stopped for me by what? By who? By an Oxbow fan who happened to work and uh, customs or immigration at the border (laughs) the weird freaky you stick around long enough good things happen i was like hey man every time i'm coming in because this shit 20 years ago he goes i'll take care of it next time i went to canada i go i wonder if the oxbow fan took care of it passed on through sir oxbow fan took care of it fucking a that was beautiful so uh, y- you had to know this was going to happen. Nobody should be surprised that it happened. And and ultimately, um, I got to quote Lieutenant Harry Callahan. How do you know he's going to do it again? Because he likes it. Gavin is living his best life. <laughs> Feel not sorry for him, sir. He is living his best life. I just don't understand what the upside to this is. And the thing is, I think if you're of a certain character and an age, you've all thought about starting a cult. And the worst part about starting a cult is in my mind is having to hang out with people who bought it. And that's why the multi-level aspect of Scientology, Dianetics is so genius because that comfortably is completely divided to between cynical opportunist and true believers like any good religion. You know, the Polish Pope was working, at, was banging chicks and working at IG Farben inventing Zyklon B before he was Pope. Did he have a road from Damascus moment and become become a true believer? Or was this just an easier job to have than working as a chemist? Lost Battalion. Gavin, Lost Battalion. I would have to say, I mean, the quality that makes you, that loss battalionizes you is, is really self-awareness. And if if he's been doing this as a prank or even poking the bear as aggressively as he's been poking the bear, it's a clear indication to me that the guy, that his level of self-awareness has fallen the fuck off. I I tend to think that comedy is somehow connected to self awareness but comedy is connected to an awareness not self awareness i think i like for example I think Rollins can be a funny guy but Rollins has absolutely zero uh, uh, has, has zero ability to to really laugh at himself unless he's control- in control of that narrative he doesn't have he's not that self aware and speaking as self aware OK, I come to you, an impartial audience, um, and I'm going to lay it out right. like right this. So, go to Jiu-Jitsu yesterday. And uh, Sorrell is not there as he's on vacation being uh, signing autographs on the beach in Mexico. I am actually not joking. He just called me for my birthday to say happy birthday. And he's palm trees around him and people waving and calling his name. Uh... So Marty G is running the class, and uh, the kids' class ends, and we're about to start a warm-up. We're starting to warm-up, and the door is wide open for more little kids, we have. but all the kids are gone. The kids that are gonna go, and I'm feeling a burst of of uh, cold air from the from the door, and it takes me a while. I do a warm-up before the warm-up, and also I'm paranoid about mass casualty events. And uh, and people just walking in, having the easy. I like to create a temp, like a little bit of a break. Ever since the guy came into the academy with a machete that I thought was a a a um, a, a badminton racket, <laughs> there was that guy. I go, you mean the guy with the badminton racket? I said, what are you talking about, badminton racket? The guy had a machete. There was no machete. It's a badminton. did he look like a guy who played badminton? I go, just because he's a black guy doesn't mean he doesn't play badminton. He goes, it was a machete. And the only thing that made me a believer is because I know what the handle looks like. And I go, oh, yeah, I got actually a handle. Oh, OK. He had a machete. So I like to close the door. Me, a two-stripe brown belt, trained seven days a week, who co-signed is uh, uh, ex- a part owner of the gym closes the door. It's a relatively new white belt. Goes over, slams the door open. I'd say, hey, leave the fucking door closed. I I, open, I close the door again. He goes back and does it again. I go, that's your funny guy. That's funny. I go back. I close the door. He goes, what do you keep closing the door for? I go, I don't want to get murdered in here and I don't want to get cold and pull a muscle. He's like and so he does it and I'll do it again. I lock it. He's fumbling with the door and people are kinda laughing, kind of joking. And he's like, Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I said, go stand by the other door. It's open. He goes, We need a cross current. We need two doors have to be open for it to work. I go, Okay, then we'll open it halfway. So Marty G starts to walk over and says, um, he says, uh, he starts making for the door and he slams it all the way open. And I say, what about a compromise here? And he goes, there is no compromise. And then I fucking lose it, right? I even recounting the story, I'll tell you, I'm losing it. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, because I understand that there's a hierarchy involved in jiu-jitsu schools, all right? Sorral comes in and say, Sorral says, you got a guys, there are no belt system in Luda Livre. But to delineate belt, you gotta wear these wristbands. I said, I'm not wearing your stupid fucking wristband. It's stupid. What, are we going? Are we going steady now? He goes, if you don't wear it, you don't roll. I go, well, I'm not gonna wear it, and I'm gonna roll. He goes, no, you're not. So I go slowly but surely. I've understood. There's a, t- it's for the safety of everybody. It's like being on a plane. But in my mind, in my mind. And I, look, I, I've, I've migrated my position on this. So don't let me get to the end. So then I'm grousing. All right. I'm grousing because Carl Gotch is in my head. Carl Gotch is training a guy and the guy complains about he wants some water and it's hot. and It's thirsty. And Carl Gotch goes, I'll, I'll get you some water, son. Just kneel down here for a bit. And As the guy is kneeling on the ground, Carl Gotch takes a handful of rice and throws it on the ground. So the guy's going to kneel in the rice and he's bumping around the kitchen. Yeah, I'll get you some water, get you." And the guy, he comes back and he's put the water in a in a in a cup. I don't mean a glass. I mean an athletic supporter cup. He's filled it with water, dirty water, because it was a used cup. "Cause you thirsty boy? Here's your, here's your water." And the guy realized, "All right. This hierarchy is complete." I'm not gonna fucking tell you how to drive a car if you don't know how to put gas in the engine. Fuck off with your your brake. There are no brakes here. So that's a school of thought. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you should have backed my play. You should have backed my play. Now during the during the rest of the role, I'm making you know quips about the cold breeze. I'm getting a cramp in the muscle. I'm, I'm trying to keep it light and happy. But the guy who started the thing with the door he's kind of looking at me and he's looking at me in a way that indicates that, like he wants to know that things are okay. But I know myself well enough to know that like they say in catch 22, I'm totally raz inside. I am not safe to roll with at this point. Like I can't be counted on to acknowledge a tap. Um, I can't, EJJ is bad under good circumstances. I can't roll with dude. So I just frost him out. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then I go to roll with some, everybody has, i got four tough rolls in a row. And there's a kid, he's like 12. How ah, you go? come with me. They're like, no, you can't roll. I said, oh, so now, I mean, what the fuck is this place being run by the, the lunatics are running the asylum? I can't fucking roll. Okay. I got I, got, I go, you understand that when I am a black belt, there will be a reign of terror here unlike you've ever seen before. And <laughs> people get kind of quiet because of course at that point, I'm the crazy one. Well, you know, I go home, I think about it and then go back to jujitsu. And I, I really like Marty, you know, so it's, 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 a, I don't want this to be a thing. So I'm not even bringing it up. I'm just putting it all behind me and that, but marty brings it up he goes i haven't seen eugene like that since the time soral kicked him out and i go you know why because it was fueled by a pervasive sense of injustice and he goes no 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 let me explain how it should have gone and what um what should have happened is um rather than continue this fight with the guy over the door you should have turned to me and said marty can we close the door um while we train or alternatively um, cl- open it halfway. And then Marty could, in other words, even though in Luda livre he and I are the same rank, he was leading the class that day, making him the ship's captain, the pilot. He said at that point, you let me, you 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 have come to the judge. So what he, he he what he he framed what I had done as vigilante action, you know, through the strength of position, I was trying to bend another to my will rather than turn to the captain and go, Captain, can we do this? I I Captain or no Captain? Which fundamentally I agree with. I said, in fact, in fact, had I said, Hey Marty, can we close this door? And then Marty said, No. It it would have felt better than me. If I said, I'm closing the door. And he goes, no, you're not. And then wings it open and essentially backs that guy's play. But he wasn't backing that guy's play as much as he was, you know, I have to be the force of order here. And now that we've made this a teachable moment, what we have to teach is that the guy who's standing in front leading the class is the guy who's driving the fucking plane in the boat. So as much as you might not like it, That's the deal. Do you not understand it? I go, of course I understand it. That's what I'm saying. He goes, but no, 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 no. There's no parceling out of this authority. (laughs) It's not like the the assistant captain or the co-captain gets any say in this at all. I go, you know, there was a case recently where the captain and the co-captain got into an argument. The co-captain, who was 23 years old, goes to the emergency exit of the plane, yanks open the door, flings himself from the fucking plane the journalist who wrote the piece was nice enough to note that the guy who had flung himself from the plane did not have a parachute. I don't like what he's done, but I understand it. So I took my lumps. Diplomacy is saying, good doggy, till you get your hand on the rock. I still stand on the fact that there will be a reign of terror Unlike seen in jujitsu academies at such time and like 50 Cent says, the DA can play his motherfucking tape in court. Do not give me a black belt if you do not want to see a reign of terror. But if you come to my class in the future and, and, and you come to my class in the future and you're complaining about being too fucking hot and I suggested – if you're upset with the temperature, maybe you should work on getting a fucking haircut. The guy showed up on a skateboard. So he had skateboarded wherever he was from to the class. And he's got this beard and all his hair. It's not my fault you're fucking overheated. What about the fact that I'm now cooled and I'm pulling the muscle? What about that? It doesn't matter. Should have gone to the judge. I got it. I got it. But I also got something else. I can't roll with that guy (laughs) because I'm still pissed and I'll be pissed. Probably given the nature of a Virgo, I will be pissed probably for quite a while. So it's whatever, plenty of other guys to roll with and he's not missing anything really by rolling with me. Virgo, Mr. Robinson. How's that Virgo? Yeah. Like, you know, if you watch the show last week, today is my birthday. And if you read the Substack, you know, I wrote it marginally about being the birthday. I told the story about Travis. I'm not gonna ruin it for you for those for those of you who haven't who haven't uh, who haven't uh, uh, read the substack yet, but I suggest you go do it. The substack, which is called Look What You Made Me Do. Steph always announces it on uh care don't care don't care as the Eugene S. Robinson Substack, which it is, but for those of you who watch the show to the end, you know, look what made me do before it was stolen by Taylor Swift was my sign-off. Ah, look, look who's Uh Mr. Rig. thank you, sir. Thank you. Can you fucking believe it? 60, Jesus Christ. And my mom called me earlier. So I'm coming from, I'm leaving jujitsu and leaving my run, stop off and get some soil for shit I'm planting around here. And uh, my mom calls me and she starts sobbing and I start sobbing. I was like, ah, we don't need this. She's like, ah, do you remember the shoes, the red shoes? I'm like, yeah. And we could we could comfortably talk. Some I got a hit on twenty three and me, which is I'm shocked. As paranoid as I am, that I'm doing it, but I have a second cousin. I think it was my rapist grandfather's other family. My second cousin is pretty close. I've emailed the guy, but he hasn't emailed me back. So it's kind of a curious thing. But sixty, there was never a point in my life when I didn't believe that sixty was old. Never a point in my life as somebody pointed out, and they said, "Look, man," I said, "I'm not going to live to 120, so fuck it." I said, "No, no, no, you're going to live to 120. More importantly, how about this? 60 for you, uh, 80 for you is a new 60." And I go, "That I'm surrounded by adults who are in their 80s." Who was smoking and drinking and drinking and smoking and drugging and and then all this stuff through the through the sixties and the seventies, doing coke and blow and all this stuff, and they're doing quite fine, bopping around, international travelers and so on. But you don't, what you don't understand is that everybody who's in this type type of music, we're all kind of like looking at each other, right? Like we played Birmingham with Old Man Gloom which has members of Converge in it, and members of Sumac, which are former members of ISIS. And those guys are about 10, 15 years. Yeah, man. It's a great show. And how many people on that show do I want to fight? I'm actually not kidding you. There are like two people on that show that I've told, next time I see you, it's on. When <laughs> they're all on Friday night. One of them knows this, and has assiduously, we played the same festivals for years, has assiduously managed to stay away from me. He came to, I think he tested the water by coming to sound check, and I did the grizzly bear thing. I'm doing the sound check, singing, singing. I see him, and I go back to singing, singing, and I'm about to leap off the stage, and I turn back again, and he's gone. So I think he said, you know what? I'm not gonna fucking risk it with this lunatic. Uh, no, no, not Jira. And, and the other guy doesn't know it's coming. He doesn't know it's coming, which also gives me, but he, he's got something that I need and I'm not even going to say what it is that I need. So it's, it's a, uh, cause I don't want it to be revealed that, um, so it's self-interest versus self-expression my self interest is that i suck it up be nice to the guy get from him what i need and you know float float on yeah um I was really excited. I played a festival with Godspeed before and was really excited to see them. But then something happened in the interim. What happened in the interim is that my friend, Scott Kelly from Neurosis told me that he curated a festival where in the, which they played or was curated into a festival that they had booked and hanging out with them. He discovered that their favorite, that they had one of their favorite artists and they had booked at the same festival was weird Al Yankovic. And I was like, what are you kidding? Like, like, as a joke, right? He goes, no. They deeply and earnestly think he's fucking hilarious. And he shrugs. And at that point, I could really never view Godspeed the same way. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, G- Jira, he, the first time we talked, he threatened to kick my He hung up the phone on me and he called me back and threatened to kick my ass. But this is when he was still he- heavily drinking. We've seen each other several times since then. It's been perfectly cordial um i'd like to get him in an interview format where i actually ask him if he remembers any of that and i suspect he'll do what other friends of mine have done with that past like that I'll just say hey man i did a lot of foul shit back then whatever um so uh but i i, I at, at this point now i don't i no longer have any interest in in interviewing jira i don't i don't know that much good would have come from it um and you can make of that what you would um the times I've seen him that have been cordial and pleasant, I, I get the sense that good interviews are fundamentally dialogues, and he's not as bad as Biafra in terms of being dialogue-impaired. He would have a conversation with you. Um, I have I, gotten that. But um, at this point, um, I'm only interested in candor. Like with my book shows and interviews, I usually keep a section where I will tell you um, um, where I will say I will answer any question you have for me. I will answer to um, as truthfully as as I'm able to. If you can put your phones down for five fucking seconds and not try to record this and put this shit online. And I've I've stuck to that. Um, The questions have have not been as challenging. You know, I mean, I, I have questions for. For, for Gira that I, I know that he would not want to answer and that he would view as challenging and confrontational and maybe unpleasant. So I don't want to serve a PR function for the guy, uh, uh, but maybe when we're in the right place at the right time, we could actually have a, con- a conversation that was constructive and that would be cool. But I don't see that as a short-term thing, but the, that he's not the one who, who I want to punch in the face. So let's hope I can get into and out of Porto without actually doing that, because I think what would be much more useful is if I actually get what I need from the guy and, you know, I don't need to hit him in the mouth. It's clear our friendship is dead, but um, it would give me no satisfaction to hit him in the mouth, but it just depends on how the guy approaches me. But I'm going to have a blast is what I'm saying. And, uh, and yeah, though there was never a point at which, I didn't think 60 was old. And I believe 60, 80 could be the new 60 that really, as I'm running and carry, working with the sledgehammer today to get ready for these, you know, these six, six shows that uh, that Bunuel has, you know, I'm thinking, even if I didn't do music, this is a way to go gen- and didn't do jujitsu seven days a week and didn't need to be in shape for any of this stuff. I think I would I would still do it because maybe I'd walk a little bit better without jujitsu seven days a week, but um, it's more the attitudinal issue that I'm focused on, and it's totally like I said in the, in the in the Substack about not going gentle into this good night, not at all, not ever, not even a little bit. Fuck you. I I'm gre- I'm greedy for it. I want to see my kids do as many things as my kids can do. You Know, I want to see you know, my mother. Yeah, you know, I wish she would live 20. You know, my stepfather, the old uh, my sister, everybody stay. I want you to stay at the party as long as you want to be at the party. There's a great scene if you watch The Sandman, where there's a guy, he, he says, I'm going to give you 100 years, and every 100 years, I want to see if you are you ready to shuffle off this mortal coil. And by the time the guy gets to a thousand years that he's been alive. He's like he, he says. As you figured this out, he says to the the Sandman, the Dream King. He goes, "I just love this shit. <laughs> I just love this shit. I just I, I'm not bored. I haven't had it enough time. I, you know, and now that I've got time, I'm glad to enjoy it, and embrace it, and I'll see you for another thousand years. I I I I, I am that guy." So on the occasion of my 60th birthday, and uh, my phone has been ringing here. And I got to call my my kids, uh, my kids back. Um, it, you know, it, it's uh, I have not noted any others, and they haven't felt significant to me. And I don't never. I'm never one of those like birthday guys, birthday guys. But this one feels like I said you can't you can't work your way around this one in any way, shape, or form. So, yes, and New York plans. Ah, God, thank you, JB, for for, for reminding me. Um, let me, I got a piece of paper here. Um, we are doing an event. Wong Duty is doing an event in New York. We're going to do it but before, let me look at my little calendar. We're going to do it in Williamsburg before October 7th. Lydia going to be involved, and um, she's signed on to it. Let me look at calendar. Um, it will be... Um let me look at the calendar tentatively. Uh October 6th in New York in Williamsburg. If you are in New York, you have to, it's free to get in. Uh the set piece. It'll be me, uh, Pilar Newton, Lana Dawes, and Lydia being interviewed on stage about art and creativity. It'll be in a cool space in Williamsburg, it'll be free drinks. Free, uh, free booze, free food. You should show up and represent. And and it, like Tupac says, I'm one night in town. Are you down? You Got to show up. If you're in London uh, on the week before, we're going to do the same thing on the Thursday before, which I think is Thursday the 29th. Uh, um, so uh, if you're in, L- try to show up. It is free. So there's no list that you have to be in. There's no special VIP thing, except for me telling you about it right now. And I just remembered that I have to write the copy for it. I got to do that tonight. So anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with the most naval gaze in, Uh, in uh, uh, October 6th in New York, in Williamsburg. And then September 29th in in London. Uh, and uh, and I, I'll come up with... On the show, I'll give out the address for anybody. I want to get Drew Stone there. I want to get, you know, I, I think agnostic front are on the road. Otherwise, I would drag Vinny there just to have Vinny around. So, anyway, uh, this is 227 of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. I thank you for listening. Monday, there is no care, don't care. It's next week. So, there's nothing. Tuesday, it's uh, If the Shoes Fit, John Nash is back. Uh, we'll get into some of the MMA stuff. Uh, MMA stuff hasn't been that encouraging this week. I don't want it to darken my birthday week by bringing up any of the, any of the issues that, that, oh, look who's calling right here. Uh, hold on, kid. I'm just tying up the show now. I'll call you back in two minutes. Okay. Okay. No worries. All right. All right. All right. All right bye-bye. So, um, <laughs> so we didn't darken the show with, with any of it. We went, we, you know, we kept things light and happy. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. Uh, read the Substack. If you checked it out, the Vernon Reed thing, you can just type in Vernon Reed in my name, R-E-I-D, and the link will come up. You should check it out. Yeah, I hear Corona We'll get to that. Um, and there, I don't have anybody picked for next week on long duty, but the Vernon Reed piece didn't go live until Wednesday. So you have an actual week to to actually to read it and, and, and get me the hit count that I need. And I, uh, did I mention, I uh, start lifting weights again. So <laughs> get ready for these shows. So thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. The way you made me do! <laughs>